On this episode, join Andy and Dean as they discuss the documentary Hard Way, The Legacy of Deathmatch Wrestling. Welcome to The Road Home on Film. All right, guys. Well, we're not headed home, but we're actually hanging out uh, at my place. Uh, my name's Andy, coming to you live to tape from my place, like I said. And I'm here with Dean, and we just watched the movie Hard Way, uh, the documentary about deathmatch wrestling by director Jeff Waldridge, friend of the show. And uh, Dean, how's it going, buddy? How you feeling? Intense, man. You feel intense? Yeah, after watching that. Do you feel sick at all? Uh, no, I mean, I, I kind of want to get out and do this myself, because usually <laughs> they're going to play Don't Try This at Home ahead of it, but I feel motivated. Yeah, they didn't actually, st- yeah, there was no warning, Don't Try This at Home. F- fans of the podcast will know the idea of the Blade on a Pole match mm-hmm. that I have been pushing for years, and now, <laughs> before it was just kind of a joke, but now I think I can do it. <laughs> Well, our buddy Jeff Waldridge, uh, who was actually interviewed on the show like a year ago about this, and uh, you know he's been working on this documentary about deathmatch wrestling for quite some time, and uh, it's just something we wanted to do something special because we normally the road home from wrestling we review things that we go to and then we review it on the road home or in the parking lot after or something like that. Uh, only one other time have we reviewed something that we didn't go to. So. But we felt like this was important, and um, you know, it was an interesting watch. I felt uncomfortable many times during the during the uh, movie, but I think he, that's he kinda, doesn't get it. <laughs> I think that's kind of the idea. But Dean, uh, all jokes aside, will you tell us what is your experience with deathmatch wrestling and stuff like this? Uh, very, very little experience with actually seeing deathmatch wrestling. Uh, we've been to violent matches before. We've been to IWA Mid-South, where it was IWA Mid-South rules matches. It can be violent. We saw the uh, Island of Trees match. (laughs) Island of Death. Island of Death (laughs) match. Uh, That that was probably the closest thing. Or or the uh, three-way match between Ron Mathis, Alex Colon, and uh, Jeff Cannonball at uh, Rockstar. That's probably... One of the matches that sticks out to me because I remember cringing as Jeff as Cannonball rubbed a uh, cheese grater across Alice Cologne's head, and you could oh. see like flakes of his skin coming off. Yeah, that was... that's probably like one of the most intended things in a match that kind of bothered me to see. I think uh, I was thinking about the other day in preparation for this. I think the most bloody match. Now, definitely not the most violent. I've seen, you know, I've seen hardcore matches that were definitely more violent than this. But the bloodiest match I've ever seen was actually at Rockstar, and it was uh, Ganger versus Larry D. And uh, what had happened is is that Ganger got the blade stuck in his forehead, and so he was trying to get it out, and the ref had to pull it out. And when he pulled it out, it just spewed blood everywhere. He had a gusher, right? And me, me, and you, and somebody else, we were talking over by this garbage can, and these guys came by because he had bled all over this board. And so they were removing the board and trying to take it backstage, and we had to move out of the way so they could go, you know, buy the us. board level. <laughs> So the blood didn't spill all over the place. Now, 
the first match that I saw that was like this was probably all. It was a CZW show that was in Dayton at the Rockstar Pro Arena. But I mean, we've seen you know lots of blood in at different shows. I, I remember and stuff. Uh, the Young Dragons going up against Ian Rodden and uh, JC mm-hmm. Rodden. Yeah. That was disgusting. You know, uh, Dale Patrick's... With the no-breaking tables. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Dale Patrick's is actually in this documentary in the background a couple times. Uh, but but anyway, so we have some experience with this stuff. I would say that my opinion on deathmatch wrestling is I respect it as an art form. It's not for me necessarily. However, if I go to a show and there's a deathmatch on it, okay. If I go to a show and every... Single matches a death match, ah, you know what I mean. It kind of loses the value to me when it's overdone. But if it's you know, what if it's a tournament and then it's escalated, <laughs> right? Which we've and never gone to a death match tournament, which is you know that that's you know that I'm that's not right. <laughs> it's because Dean's not booked. So. Well, Hardway was something that you know we got from uh, Jeff, like I said, and we wanted to talk about a little bit. So now you know a little bit about our experience with this kind of wrestling. Um, now let's find out a little bit about this movie. Uh, Dean, you got any other comments before we get started here? No, let's get rolling on it. All right, so we opened up with uh, the title, Hardway. You know, it's like this bloody barbed wire kind of looking thing with light tube underneath of it. And the movie's called Hardway, The Legacy of Deathmatch Wrestling, right? And uh, it crosses, the title like crosses footage of H2O and CZW shows like centered around Matt Tremont while, and it crosses that with scenes of him like setting up like his like shoot job or whatever, right? Where he like sells stuff. And I think the idea behind this like opening segment with is to kind of let let people know like, hey, these are just kind of normal dudes that do this. Dean, you've met a couple wrestlers, right? Are you ever surprised by the fact that you see them do this crazy ass shit and then they're just kind of like normal dudes? Uh, I, I would say I'm used to it now, so it's hard to think back on like, oh, okay, uh, like we, I mean. Aaron Williams, we've had some really cool, just relaxed conversations with him, and then we've seen him go in the ring and be a different person. I'm kind of used to it by now. Yeah, it's not really the same thing, but, you know, at the same time, that's kind of what we're doing here in this movie is we're introducing the audience to folks, um, or, you know, excuse me, introducing the wrestlers to the audience. And I call this first section The Wrestlers. And uh, the first person that we meet other than Matt Tremont, which if you're not familiar with Matt Tremont, I don't know what you're doing listening to this. We've seen him a bunch of times, um, you know, and, and he's one of those guys that I always kind of like consider him like the the Hulk Hogan of uh, deathmatch wrestling. You know, he's like the guy, you know. And um, the next person we meet is G. Raver, who's another guy that we've seen. I, I got to meet him once backstage at a show. And he shook my hand and he said, hey, I'm Brandon. How you doing? And I was like, you're G. Raver. And yeah. he's like, I'm Brandon. And I was like, and that's no. <laughs> and so he's like one of the nicest guys ever. Yeah. And Dean, can you describe for the folks what G. Raver looks like when he's wrestling? Uh, when he's entering, he has like a baby doll head that's been like cut open, spread apart. The jaw ripped off, so he comes out like with his baby doll mask on, uh, but very tattooed up, uh, creepy contacts put in, uh, kind of like, he reminds me of, if you've ever watched like the Blade movies, like one of the guys that wants to be turned into a vampire, <laughs> who hangs out 
with with the vampires. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. He's uh he looks satanic for sure, you know, and um we meet him when we meet him he's doing tattoos. And yeah. like that's part of his gimmick is that he does the tattoo needles as one of the weapons he uses. So, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense as a part of his real shoot life. So we see wrestlers in their shoot life, and then we see them doing awful things in the ring to themselves, right? Yeah. So he's the first one. He talks about what it's like to be a deathmatch wrestler and kind of how that mixes with his shoot life. Um, Dean, that doesn't come up too often where you're a podcaster and it kind of like makes your shoot life weird, right? That doesn't happen very yeah. often. So we don't know what this is like. <laughs> Do you think they did a good job in this first section kind of letting folks know what it's like to kind of be a deathmatch wrestler? I, I feel like uh, most people that are going to watch this movie are, at the very least, some type of professional wrestling fan. And they kind of already are have that kind of knowledge that this guy isn't a guy that's just always it's not medieval it's not medieval times where all this guy does is eat steak and get women thrown at him between mauling people like they all they, they're playing characters and they kind of they know that that this isn't just this guy doesn't go from death match to death match to death match to sleep and then go yeah yeah so well, uh, the next person that we meet is Necro Butcher, all right? Yes. And, Dean, um, you told this story already today, but tell us the funny um, uh, Necro Butcher story that we have. Uh, I, I didn't know for sure it was him. There was a show in Dayton, I'm pretty sure it was the H2O show, where this guy is in line behind us, and so, another guy with our group, a close to our group, was like, I think that guy's Necro Butcher. And uh, his hair's not long anymore, and he had it on, like, regular clothes, but, uh, so I, I was like, okay, I mean, maybe I, I've, I've never seen Necro Butcher matches. I never really followed who the guy was, but he was walking up and like introducing himself to people. Like I've never gone to the concession stand and said, Hey, my name's Dean. Yeah. I'm here to watch the wrestling. <laughs> Can I get a hot dog please? But he was doing stuff like that. And I, and I phrased it on the podcast. It was like a, the Necro Butcher version of Undercover Boss, where yes. <laughs> he was being overly talkative. So tell me what you think about wrestling. This is my first time at the show. That's what he kept saying. <laughs> to people. And uh, my, and he kept, uh, whatever his real name is, like he kept introducing himself as like Ned. And he didn't say, oh, hey. Like he didn't want to be recognized, but he was like, not wanting to be recognized. Like, he was introducing himself and giving people his real name. Like, oh, yeah, I'm just here to watch wrestling. I definitely haven't ever done this before. Don't even look at me twice. <laughs> By the end of the night, though, once he was kind of like, okay, they know it's me. I'll, cho I'll chop Tony. Yeah, yeah, he knew who everybody was, and Tony's an infamous fan up there that gets chopped by wrestlers. So I did, I did like in the video of him chopping uh, Tony, he made sure to point – to get Tony's attention, like now you gotta you gotta work the camera, and he pointed out the camera. Tony's like, yes sir, yes sir. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, um, Necro Butcher, legendary deathmatch wrestler. You know, CZW, ROH. Uh, those are kind of the two places I know I, him. From I would those. almost say he's a little closer to the whole Hogan of it than Matt Tremont. Matt Tremont's like the like the John Cena, where people know okay. him now. Okay, that's I would fair. Say, but Necro Butcher, like my my brother Sean, knew who Necro Butcher was, and just other people, and he was like a big part of the movie, uh, the wrestler himself, Correct, and yeah. just different things like that. 
Yeah, there's a fun story too. If you look this up, there's an interview with him talking about getting that part as the in, in the show in the movie The Wrestler, and it's a great story. But we don't have time to tell that. We got to move on a little bit. But basically, we see Necker Butcher talking about his shoot life and what he does as a as a job, and uh, we and we cross cut that with footage of him killing people in the ring. So good times. Uh, next, we see Jeff Cannonball, another kind of like. Jeff Cannonball just—he says he wants to be known as the the funny fat guy, and that's kind of what he looks like. Yeah. He's just like a funny fat guy. Yeah, like the, yeah, his hair dyed blonde, and then he shaved it down the middle. So I mean, he was it was like a clown. Yeah, he did have kind of like clown hair. Normally, he has his head shaved, so I don't know what he's doing there. Uh, but we meet him, and we see him taking uh, those round gusset plate things or whatever to the head or something over to again. do floral arrangements. Oh my god, those are disgusting. Yeah. Um, then we see Schlack. Um, is Schlack the most terrifying person in the world? Yes. Uh, he's he's also kind of hyped up. And the best thing about the part when Schlack was first came on the screen is right when we first saw him, Andy bumped the remote, so it started playing the movie in one and a half times the speed. So Schlack's like, I should do. I'm gonna come here tonight. I'm gonna play my final rocket. But I really like the violence of wrestling. And people are like, what's that, Schlack? <laughs> Like you know, like just the timing of it went perfectly with him. He looks the most menacing, but something something about him just seems like he would be an okay guy to talk to after watches. I feel like I would never want to see him in a dark alley. I would never want to bump into him and spill his beer. No but shit, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, so he talks about the same kind of stuff. And that's kind of how this movie is, is that we have these each each of these sections and then we run through all these wrestlers and they tell us about themselves in the very specific ways, right? Yeah. Uh, so next we meet Jimmy Lloyd. And Jimmy Lloyd, we see him win Tournament of Death 17 versus Ricky Shane Page with a tremendous spot off of, like, top of a scaffold. It's insane. And Jimmy says that death matches are, like, live horror shows, which I thought was pretty cool. It's kind of yeah. a cool concept. I'm happy for him. He's pretty cool, right? We've seen him kind of grow up because we've seen him around, you know, uh, over the years. The first time I saw him, he was a ref at a CZW show, you yeah. know? And he's just like a tubby dude that doesn't give a fuck about what he looks like. And he's got a baby face and everything. I don't know. I like Jimmy Lloyd. He's awesome. Uh, next, we meet Murder, Death, Kill, Nick Gage. He's gang-affiliated, Dean. Was this maybe the guy that left the biggest impression on you in this thing or not? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of impression? I, do you I, think? I, I think he's he's the guy that like scares me the most out of any of the guys. Why? Why is it? I don't know. He just seems like like I don't even want to say because if he listens, I feel like he's gonna find me out of shit. I don't know what it is about him. He seems like I'm sure he works safe, but he's one of those guys that like if there was a spot where they had something set up. And the guy was like, I don't think that's going to be safe. He'd be like, whoa, fuck you. <laughs> this is happening. Like, he just, he seems like one of the guys that if you're in a match and there's a weapon, I don't know. He seems like, I, I can't even put it into words. He it's, seems like he just goes out there not wanting to hurt his opponent necessarily, but not giving a fuck if he does. And And that's. That means he's getting his character over very well, you know? Yeah. And he's one of these guys that is, like, a shoot badass and is, like, 
a complete maniac. And we get to see a lot of sides of Nick Cage in this movie, one of which is the most uncomfortable part for me personally. But uh, So we meet him, and he talks about his life and everything. Next we meet uh, another old-school icon, uh, Masada. You know the inventor of the uh, of the skewers and all that stuff. Yeah. And it, what do you think of it? Does he seem kind of bitter a little bit, or does he seem just kind of chill, like so chilly? I don't know. What do you think? He, he seems upset. Uh, like one part that I liked in it because I never knew that that was. I knew that he was a guy that did it. I didn't really have like an understanding of respecting other people's. Like we do the get your own shit stuff all the time now on the podcast, but I didn't realize like the importance of it. And one like little small thing I liked is they were going. Uh, Matt Tremont was going through the weapons with like the guys that people had brought or what was it they had for the show. And he goes, no skewers, no skewers. Masada's not on the show, no skewers. Nice. And like, I had like respect for him for respecting that idea. And I and I had heard talk between different people that we talked to that like he doesn't like seeing other people use the skewers because that's his his shit. And I I figured it like and he even says it. He goes, skewers are becoming like the thumbtacks mm-hmm. where they're in every death match. And I just thought that was something that it was that it was something that gets a lot of attention in death matches. And people who aren't familiar with death matches, when they see that, that could give deathmatch wrestling a new fan. But I didn't realize. But he does seem like I wouldn't say bitter because I feel like he's somewhat justified. To me, bitter is like not justified, and you're just upset that you're not like the main eventer, and this guy is, and you're coming up with reasons. I think he's justified in being upset at what that's become. That's fair. Yeah, he just he's clearly upset, you know, about yeah. that kind of stuff and he wanted to make sure that the the people watching this knew. And I get it, you know. Uh next we meet Connor Claxton, um who's another guy we've seen around, you know, quite a bit. He was on that H2O show we were on and like uh, or that we we watched. Which, by the way, if you go back in the archives of the Road Home from Wrestling, you'll find a uh, review of an H2O show when they came to Dayton. And we've reviewed a bunch of different shows with various of these wrestlers on it. So if you never listened to our show before, we usually go to shows and then review them on the Road Home, and that's why we're called what we're called. Uh, so we meet Connor Claxton. He talks about all this stuff. John Wayne Murdoch, Orin Vite. And uh, the idea is just to kind of get to know these guys, like I said, and let the audience know that they're just normal people that like yeah. to do this crazy shit, right? Uh, so then we see some footage from Vicious Outcast Wrestling in West Virginia, which is one of the most out of control. They have this, like, tournament of survival thing every year, and it is just insane. And, like, it's one of the scary – like, I don't want to watch it, honestly, because it's like peop- – a lot of it's people I know, and I don't want to see them, like, hurt themselves. But it's pretty crazy. So we see some of that and a, a bunch of nutty things going on there. And then the wrestlers all talk about their pre-match rituals, right? And 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 you could tell a lot of them hadn't really maybe thought about that too much before, you know? Like yeah. Jeff Cannonball, he's like, I don't know, just pour some water on myself? I don't know. And, you know, (laughs) that was kind of it. But later on, we do get to hear a little insight into how preparing for a death match and coming down from a death match kind of occurs. And that's something that we'll talk about here in a minute that's kind of interesting. Um, The next section I like to call the fans because we get to see a big old tailgate at CZW Tournament of Death. And we see all these fans and then various wrestlers talk about the fans and how crazy they are. And uh, one of the big parts of this is they talk about 
the uh, fans that bring weapons, right? Um, you know, like Pondo and Gage and all these guys are talking about the fans bringing weapons. And what are some of the things that they, you know, they all kind of said were the craziest shit that people brought? Do you remember? Uh, like actual, like, weapon weapons, like a sword. <laughs> uh, people have brought guns before. Uh, people will put, like, knives sticking straight up out of pieces of wood and and like what one thing that I like about this is that it's also your your look behind you know they're they're admitting and they're acknowledging the work of all of it and not like just making it look like oh yeah I go in there because I really want to kill this guy which I've seen like a, a while ago I saw documentaries on wrestling that was like the story of what was going on in wrestling documentary and why two guys didn't like each other and I didn't like that at all. But they talk about like the fans should know like we if we can't figure out a safe way to work your weapon, don't be pissed off when we don't stab somebody with your sword. Yeah, that's pretty much what they all say. And then we get kind of the the things they won't touch, right? Yeah. And the things they won't touch are fucking toothpicks, right? If you go back in the archives of our show, it's one of the PTW shows. You get to hear uh, Mike Roach talking about the time that he did uh, toothpicks and uh, how fucked up it made him. I mean, he, like, got sick from it. He had them sticking out of his back, coming out of his back for weeks. And, you know, toothpicks are, like, the one thing that all those guys don't want to fuck with because it really lasts a long time, you know, and, and they splinter off and kind of go into your body and you can't get it out. You know, it's, oh, it's so gross. It's, it's like, we've all had a splinter in our finger before that we can't get out. Right. Yeah. It's like that, but all over you or wherever you got hit with it, like 50 times. Oh, so gross. Um, geez. What's the weapon you wouldn't do, Dean? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you do them all? Uh, what about the pencils and the board? The pencils and the board. Uh, oh, open Christ. scissors where like the handles are pushed into styrofoam where oh the scissors are God. just open. I don't know. Do you? What do you think the craziest weapon you've seen in a match has been? Because we've seen some crazy-ass weapons, right? I mean, you know, we've seen uh, light tubes. We've seen things like uh, – I remember one time at one of the like um, – Armageddon Games Rockstar matches. They had this board that had like sporks sticking up out of it. Yeah, <laughs> and they like threw uh, it through that. boards that are, that have uh, carpet tack strips nailed mm, to them. Yikes! Because working on houses, I've stepped on those or gone to pick them up, and they've just like pinched them, and that hurts. I mean, that just hurts when you just get like your thumb on one of them. Now, Dean, we came up with an idea a long time ago. It's very devious. And it's something we've never done because we don't want to see people actually get hurt. And we don't really get the opportunity to go to, you know, fans bring the weapons matches too yeah. much. But tell us about the our idea for the weapon here. We, we had two, and I know which one you're talking about. Uh, the plastic uh, mats that you put down on carpet so that your chair – your, your – desk chair with wheels will roll on that if you have like a home office in a carpeted extra room or something like that if you flip those upside down they have all evenly spaced out very hard plastic things that come out about a quarter of an inch half they're an spikes. inch so yeah they're just and spikes and my brother will attest to you that when they are flipped upside down in a doorway and you walk across it because you're going in your <laughs> brother's room when he told you not to they hurt 
We we had thought about cutting those into strips and like making a handle on one end, you know. Uh, I also like the idea of just laying it out and just power slamming. It's it's actually would be a very safe one too. It hurt, but it'd be very safe because it can't go into you very far. You know, I mean, it's kind of like Legos to a point where it's only going to go in you. And I I watched a movie when they were the the movie like people were in prison. And the doctor said that uh, those rubber bullets hurt more because they hit arteries. The real ones just go through them. Ugh. So that's like thumbtacks and legos or thumbtacks and these. Like you're yeah. gonna get a lot of a lot of little nerves with these. I, I saw a Lego death match a couple times, and the first time I saw one was Eric Ryan versus Marcus Crane, I think. And Eric, they they had hot glued a bunch of Legos to a door, and so he went through the door, and then when he slid down. As the door broke or whatever, it just scraped the skin right off his back. So, like, if you're going to do Legos or something like that, they need to be able to move a little bit. You don't have them, like, stuck to something. (laughs) That reminds me. This is something that I never would have thought of when the guy said that the fans will take, like, a a big plastic wiffle ball bat and they'll put tacks through tape and then tape that to the bat. So you have a rubber, a plastic bat with all these thumbtacks. He goes, that's not even good visually because the tax just hurt. There's no good visual of the tax still being in the body. There's no visual of the tax coming off. It's just painful. Those fans are jerks. <laughs> yeah, they were talking about how, I think it was G. Raver, he was talking about how like some weapons don't communicate to the fans that it hurts. It just hurts. Yeah. You know, and those aren't the ones you want to use. You want to use the ones that have, like, like, for example, if you use a pie pan, and it doesn't make a noise, then what are we doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? If you use a pie pan and it makes a noise, okay, you've communicated to the fans that, ouch, that hurt. You know, so that was pretty cool and insightful. Um, and like I said, we're, you know, we see some tailgate footage. Uh, you know, Tremont talks about how dedicated the fans are. We get Pondo and Gage telling us how amazing they are. And uh, they talk about the swords and all that stuff. Now, next we get Masada uh, talking about inventing the skewers while he was in Japan. And he talks about being pissed about people stealing it. Pondo and Necro talk about this board full of pencil spot. Tell us about this, Dean. Uh, it's, it's Pondo because it's kind of Pondo's, the, like, I guess, the hero of this story. <laughs> he, he's talking about uh, the fans had brought the weapons and his match was later in the night. And watching wrestler after wrestler walk by and say, oh, fuck that, I'm not doing that. And it was a board with pencils sticking out of it. And he, the fact that every other wrestler didn't want to do that. And he goes, and then Necro, who was the fearless guy of the bunch, said he wasn't going to do it. And then Ponder's like, that's when I knew, it clicked in my brain, that I was going to do it. <laughs> And I guess it was a match where he was eliminated, and so he was making the point that, yeah, I wasn't in the rest of the tournament, but everybody remembers that spot, you know? And so we get to see the spot, which is pretty cool. And and the way this is put together is very nice, you know? It works it works well, you know, it, 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 it moves very well and everything. Uh, so let's see here. Then the, we move on to the next section, which I call injuries, okay? And the first thing we see is we see a GCW Tournament of Survival. It's Alex Colon versus G. Raver. Alex Colon, friend of the show, somebody we've seen a million times wrestle. Um, and, like, basically... He will stab you. 
he will stab you. <laughs> they punch each other, and then G Raver gets knocked out of the ring and just like, I guess he just conks his head on the he concrete. Ta- well, he takes out the camera guy also. Yeah, that's true. And then like as the camera guy, you see like the camera stumble around. They show him, and he's laying there with his eyes open, but no one is home. Yeah, he's the lights are on, but nobody's home. And then we see him backstage fail a concussion test miserably, right? He doesn't know what day it is. He doesn't know what happened. He's uh, clueless. and doesn't know what move it was. Yeah, it's terrifying, man. Jesus. And then next, we start to talk about gusset plates. What's a gusset plate, Dean? A gusset plate is something, uh, it's a rectangle, and it's used to strengthen the joint between two separate two-by-fours. So if they butt together, you put half this gusset plate on one and half on the other, or something to that variation, and they have lots of little points on it that you hammer into the wood, and then half of it's nailed to one, and half of it's nailed to the other board, and it's supposed to strengthen that joint. It's gross. Um, This is one of those ones that, to me hurts it looks like it hurts but it doesn't to me communicate as well to the fans that it hurts other than when we but, see stuff like yeah i mean if you look see. at if you look at it and you think that would hurt and then you see some guy with it in stuck in his arm there you go see and your brain clicks that would hurt well it communicates to the audience <laughs> well we see we we've seen them used before in matches and i've seen them where it was like oh, okay that's not that's kind of dumb you know but i've seen it where it's used effectively in in uh we see a match between masada and danny havoc where uh basically have these like boards with gusset plates on them stuck to the ropes and at a certain point danny havoc pulls one off and starts just hits masada in the arm with it and it just rips like chunk of flesh off. I mean, like yeah. a fucking two two inch by four inch chunk of flesh right off of his arm, and he starts gushing blood. And Masada tells us a little bit about that. Um, then we see uh, Reed Bentley, and he talks about this uh, uh, spot at VOW uh, where Murdoch's get cut really bad on his arm, and then just keeps wrestling and finishes the match because he's a fucking maniac. Um, Tremont tells us about an awful bump that he took from the. Tangled Web match versus DJ Hyde, and yeah. that was insane, right? Where it was like off a scaffold, and he fell through like glass or something. Right, rather than landing on like it looked like he was supposed to land, land on multiple strands of barbed wire, and either missed them or some of them ripped. So his body weight carried him further to the ground, which the part that caught the barbed wire just got ripped oh, more. Yikes! Oh, that's so scary. Um, yeah, so we see that. He talks about that. We see the infamous Jimmy Lloyd, G. Raver, scissors spot. Oh, my God, Dean. So, <sighs> this is so gross. This is when I start to get uncomfortable because these injuries are pretty bad. So, Jimmy Lloyd basically was face first, almost like uh, like you're, they're going to do a 619 is what it was. Yeah. And there's a board with a bunch of scissors sticking out the front of it. So G. Raver comes around, hits a 619, and one of the pairs of scissors just goes right into Jimmy Lloyd's arm as deep as it can go, right? Yeah. And he pulls it out, and you can see he's like, fuck, something's not right. He pulls it out, and he gets up for the next spot, which was like a double knees off the top rope, gets pinned, and just like goes to the back real quick. We see him get uh, sewn up or whatever, and it's so fucking gross. I I didn't get what they were saying, but they were talking about like when when it's not bleeding, like it's in the muscle and not like there's different things that... 
Yeah, the lady backstage that was like the the doctor was telling talking to him, and I don't know, it didn't make much sense what she was saying, but uh, it, she was probably pretty hyped up too, you yeah. know. Um, and that's something we'll talk about here that in a minute. Fucking awesome. <laughs> Then we get Schlack telling us about the filing cabinet incident at IWA Mid-South. Um, basically, there was a piece of metal, like, the, the part that, like, you know, when you pull open a metal filing cabinet, there's sometimes these little, like, like sharp, pointy, like, I don't know, sticks of metal, right? What, what, what it sounded like is if you have an upright file cabinet with three drawers and you pull all the drawers out, uh, a third of the way down, there's bars that go horizontal that support the drawer and that then you turn the file cabinet on the side and he got he slammed somebody on it and when they landed on the file cabinet one of those now vertical pieces went up into his leg yes uh he nearly bled to death it was awful um gosh we were not there that night he said it was very dark black viscous blood yes so gross Oh my god! So he tells us about that, uh, and then, and then how that, how you know it's serious when he requests the ambulance yes, himself. That's right. He's like, if I'm telling you I need an ambulance, I need an ambulance, and they show him riding away in the ambulance. You know. Um, <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So next we got Reed Bentley telling us about this bad chair shot he took versus the hooligans and Dean. Tell me about this cut on his head. Was that like a? It was like a crescent moon on his head. Yeah, it was all the way across. Oh, my God. So gross. He said 41 stitches. Yuck. It, it was ridiculous. Uh, Jeff Cannonball tells us about nearly dying from a concussion versus Schlack. Nick Gage. Oh, this is – okay. So this is the part that was the most uncomfortable for me. We're at a CZW show. We see Nick Gage just basically take some light tubes and fall to the outside and one of them gets trapped under his arm and, like, the ropes basically push it into his arm, under his arm, and he just immediately starts gushing blood like a fucking movie. And uh, he runs to the back and, you know... No, that, this was outside. There was yeah, no back. They well, that's were true. working on him next to the ring. <laughs> that's true. So, <laughs> basically, he gets air-cared, you know, away, and but we get to see him being worked on by the emergency medical people, and it is extremely uncomfortable. He looks like he's dying. And what did he say happened to him? He you? says, I bled to death, and then they gave him, they were, I guess they had, like, a blood transfusion that they did in the helicopter and brought him back to life. That's how it works, right? I guess. <laughs> Dr. Gage calling murder, death, kill Dr. Gage. Oh, my God. That was really scary. Oh, So after that, we move on to the uh, kind of the next section here called after the match is what I'm calling this. And so this is kind of where the wrestlers talk about going through all this shit and then having to, like, come down from it and then enter normal life right yeah. again and it's interesting one of the most interesting things was g raver talking about how tournaments suck right because you it's just a roller coaster you gotta get up for this huge match then come down from it then get right back up again for another match and uh, it seems yeah. awful oh my god why do you think these guys do this dean for the fans we touched on that <laughs> so they talked all about that it was really weird Dean, what's the most hyped you've ever been? Like, what what is the most hyped you've ever been? You've been so excited. And, like, how'd you feel afterwards? 
Anything pop to, pop in your mind? Uh, two things pop to mind, and one because I've seen the video of it. Uh, you and I popping for Aaron Williams' second <laughs> second TPI win two years in a row, and uh, the recent show we saw at Rockstar where you and I thought Mikhail was about to roll out of the ring <laughs> and, blade. and blade, and we were like just in that moment, like I I was happy, but. You were also very happy, and like it just like one of us seemed to excite the other. We're like, he's gonna do it, he's gonna play. <laughs> well, we get hyped at shows, yeah. Well, I'm I, okay, so none of that really compares to being in a death match or something, but uh, you know, I was just trying to see if there was anything we could compare, and there really isn't. You know, it just seems like that it must be tough to do this. And then, like I said, just kind of have to be a normal person yeah. again. And this is a cool deal because this is kind of where we started with the show was them kind of, how do you get ready for a match, all right? No, we're having the match. Now, afterwards, we're kind of talking about yeah. how to come down from the match. Um, really cool stuff. And then we come into the final section here, which is kind of about motivation and legacy. We get to see Ron Mathis for a second, you know? Yeah. He's Ron Mathis, guy we've seen quite a bit. And he's just like, yeah, man, I want the fans to like me. You know, I want them to feel like they got their money's worth. And uh, DJ Hyde honors a CZW legend, Toby Klein in the ring, Tremont, and all the other guys talk about their legacy, and they all kind of say the same thing, don't they, Dean? Yeah. They say they want to be, like, known as a good dude, and they want the fans to be happy, pretty much, right? It's pretty cool, you know? So then we end with a tribute to some fallen wrestlers. It doesn't name anybody in particular, but it just says, you know, to the fallen wrestlers. And, and uh, we get some outtake interviews that have some really funny stories. And then my favorite part, maybe the whole thing, was at the end we see Pondo playing She Loves Me, She Loves Me Not with Sean O'Brien, one of, you know, yeah. a friend of the show, with skewers covered in blood. I feel, yeah, I feel like uh, Sean is like, as he's doing that, is like mentally counting the skewers in his hand and getting ahead to find out, oh, this could be bad. <laughs> yeah, Sean O'Brien was a friend of our show. Like I said, he's a re- great referee, and he was all over this documentary. He kept seeing him you know, here and there. We saw Derek from Unsanctioned Pro in the background on one of the shots. A bunch of people we know. Um, we, we were even in it at one point during the H2O show. Um, there were some uh, shots from in there, but uh, – Anyway, well, I know, uh, you guys, if you want to check this out, it's available for purchase. Um, you know, all you have to do is, is check the show notes and you'll see all the social media for Hardway so you can get there and, and figure out how to buy it. Contact Jeff Waldridge. I'm sure there's a million different ways you can get this. And I would recommend it if you're a fan of, uh, of Deathmatch, you know, as Deathmatches. Uh, I think this is something that may be interesting to you. Dean, would you recommend this? I would. Yeah. Watch it with a buddy. It's fun. Yeah. So, uh, any closing thoughts? I mean, are you ready to go, like, cut ourselves now? Is that... No. No? Not, not quite. You want to do some toothpicks? Toothpicks. Okay. Probably <laughs> start. Well, I, I saw this thing that said that was, it wasn't for, it wasn't marketed at Deathmatch Wrestlers. It was marketed at Moms. They say, when you buy, when you buy uh, syringes, if you take the needle off, you can use them to suction out splinters oh. and i tagged mike roach in that post when i saw it and i did not get a response yeah he's not good at the social media okay. you know so <laughs> that's awesome as long as he doesn't stab me with a toothpick and like try it out now <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> 
pretty awesome. All right, well, you guys can follow the Road Home from Wrestling at the Road Home FW, and uh, you know, like us on wherever you found us and, and review us if you can. I hope you guys enjoyed this, and I hope you go check out Hardway because it, it's you know it's worth a look. You know, it's pretty good stuff. And uh, Jeff Aldridge is a great dude, and he's got a lot of passion for wrestling, obviously, because he put a lot of work into this and a lot of travel and money and all kinds of stuff. So check this out, and uh, there's even Hardway merchandise. So anything else? Nope. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Number one in Spain. <laughs>